You guys are so quiet today. <laughs> so yesterday I had the privilege to, uh, to speak at the merge and man, it was an interesting message. It was an interesting time. Um, any of you guys were there? Oh, cool. Great. <laughs> awesome. Hi, guys. There was a very interesting message. Um, before I proceed, I want to honor um, the lives of Pastor Miles and, and Lisa for giving me this opportunity to, to be sharing with you guys. But I also want to honor uh, some very good friends of ours. And man, ever since the first time I, I saw this couple, they, they are just amazing. I, I love them very much. And um, Janice and Ray are with us. Uh, if you can please stand up. I want to to honor you. These, these people are kingdom people, you know, and they, they are amazing. If you can just give praise to God for this. You know, they have come and they've heard that I was here and they have, they have shared and they, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just very honored to, to be all your four, uh, four of you presents. You know, it's just, I can't even speak. I'm so excited. Man, I smell a new wine. I smell new wine and as they were singing, uh, Someone <laughs> was saying that there's new wine, press us, press us, press us. And, and the, Lord, the Lord was just bringing to mind that there is a change of guard happening in New Hampshire. And there, there is a change of authority where um, we're moving from a place of, of legalism and, 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 and just doctrines that have been suffocating the church and moving now into a relationship of being sons and daughters and God is changing the guard God is changing uh, the way that things have been operating for so long that now it, it, it doesn't I don't want to say it doesn't work but it's been suffocating the new generation it has been suffocating the body so in this season I believe that God is literally shifting what we think is right to what God knows is right you know, so now we're, we're going to stop. I see the transition when we're trans, where we're moving from a place of knowledge to a place of revelation, to a, from a place of, of hearing to a place of knowing, to, from a place of, of, you know, just moving by the motions and emotions and all these things to moving with the heartbeat of heaven. So we're, we are literally entering into a season of reformation in the church. So I wanted to, to release that because revival is great. I love revival. And I've been on this for, for a couple weeks now. But reformation lasts longer than revival. What happens with revival is that the church gets used to the fire. And when the fire goes out, the church goes back to where the, how they were. But with reformation, the fire never stops. The church moves from a, from a place of passiveness to a place uh, to be more proactive. And it brings a change that, doesn't, that this world is longing for. So now, and I believe now that all of you guys are part of this. All of you guys here. Everybody who's watching me, I don't know, somewhere. You know, you guys are all part of this because God has been calling out. Can you guys stand up just two seconds? Can you guys st stretch? Just, just pastor, just, just stretch your hands over there. And it's so funny that this is here. So 
I like prophetic acts. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We were sharing today, and they asked me, oh, impart some of that favor. You know, they were honoring the favor that God has placed over me. Um, but this is what I hear the Lord say. You know, yes, favor. You know, and it's in, in uh, Proverbs 3, 4, it says, And so find favor, we will find favor in the sight of God and the sight of man. That's activated on you. But the Lord, as I was, as I was meditating on the 14-minute drive here, <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord gave me um, Isaiah 11, verse 2. And the Lord wants to do an impartation. He also gave me Jeremiah 22, 22. Jeremiah 22, 22 says, And I will place the keys of the house of David, you can both grab, over your shoulders. And whatever you guys open, that's what the scripture says, no man can ever close. And whatever you guys close, no man can ever open. So the anointing to open wells is imparted over you. You know, and, and we'll go into more detail after in a more one-on-one. -on -one, but the Lord wants to publicly let you know that, the, that He's going to give you an authority to be literally a key for a generation. A key for a city, a key for this place. Because this is what the Lord says. He is imparting over you. Isaiah 11, 2. And it says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you. And he's imparting seven spirits over you. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. This is why. Because your delight is in the Lord. <laughs> and we know that you guys will not judge according to your sight. <laughs> and you will not make decisions just but what you naturally hear. And the Lord says, I am about to do a new thing in your life. And obviously we... we some of discussed earlier, there is a transition. And the transition is funded. It's funded. Trust. There is, there, is a, there is a door and the Lord says you have the key to open it. It's up to you to put the key in. Okay. So I impart that over you. And then we'll, later we'll, we'll talk more. Okay. There's... <sighs> God is so good, man. Yes. I was told that I have six hours to preach. That we have until midnight. That you guys don't mind about tomorrow. It's, you're here giving it all for the Lord. And I'm going to run with that. <laughs> Seven. There we go. Got an hour increase. Favor. <laughs> Today, I want to talk about uh, under the topic, how will you respond? That's the thing. 
how will you respond? And it came about somewhat of what we were talking about yesterday on, on placing our focus in the right place. I believe we go to Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush, this great sight, why the bush is not burned? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. I think I'm an Old Testament preacher. I don't know. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your timing. We give you thanks, God, because we have understood that when you call us, our responsibility is to respond. We give you thanks, God, because you, you are more than gracious with us. And God, I just ask you that tonight you may empty me of myself because I have nothing to say. And you may fill me with who you are, God, your essence, your love, your power, your authority. God, and I ask you, God, to speak to each and every one of our hearts, God. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Amen. You know that the way that we respond and in the way or in the manner in which we react, it has the power to either propel you or to set you back. The attitude behind your response will determine how far you will go in your life as a whole. The way that we respond is so important because it sends out a message. Okay? And this message is not sent here in this physical realm, right? It's sent out to the spiritual realm, which is even more real than what we see. And what happens is, is that when we respond, it, it sends out a, it's like a, like, a, like a mist, right? Like water. To a fertile ground where that seed that is calling you and you have responded, when you, when you give the right attitude and the right uh, response, it will begin to germinate, it will begin to, to gain life. God is constantly looking for people who can respond favorably to the call of heaven. All right. Ready? How many of you guys know that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he's alive, but when he died on the cross, and he said, Tetelestai, you know what happened there? Or he said, it is finished, she said. You know what happened? Bible says 
that the moment that he gave up his spirit to God, he rested in his hands. And he said, Tetelestai, which is Greek for it is finished, it is consumed, it is done. The Bible says that the, the, the veil tore in half. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God, how it's labeled, falls on people and it goes back. Falls on people and it goes back to heaven. It falls. It says, the, it, the Spirit of God came rushing to me and I prophesied and I spoke, right? And then, and it goes back. But when Jesus died, when Jesus said, it is finished, it is done, the veil broke and the heaven doped up. How many guys know that? The Bible says that Jesus said to his disciples, I am leaving you, but I am not abandoning you. I am giving you a counselor, the Holy Spirit. With me? When Jesus resurrects on the third day, haha, so good. He taught his disciples for another, I think it was 40 days. And then he ascended to heaven. 50 days after, correct me if I'm wrong, in the high place, in the, in the dwelling place, in the, in the place where the 120 people were gathered, the Holy Spirit came through. Everybody was speaking, speaking tongues. Right? So the Holy Spirit now, where is he? He is constantly in us. The Holy Spirit now doesn't leave and comes back because he's already here. He dwells in us. This is his residence. Now, where am I going with this? When Jesus said, it is finished, the veil broke, Holy Spirit descended, the heaven remained open. The Holy Spirit never went back. You know, there's constant communication and downloads and all these things. But the Holy Spirit never departed from the disciples and left them alone so they can go to heaven. Heaven remained open for the Holy Spirit to continue to manifest in a global way. Everybody at the same time. Right? You understand that? Why am I saying this? The reason why I'm saying this is because since the heavens are constantly open, there is a constant sound or a constant call that comes from heaven. Okay? It has been happening for 2,018 years. Right? In this season, the, the heavens are working overtime. It's working overtime. And has brought forth much revelation. Now, 
Let me ask you this question. Then I'll do a survey real quick. How many of you guys are seers? Seer, people who see. You know, don't be, don't be afraid. Just raise your hand. Even if it's a little bit, just raise your hand. Okay. Not this. This. There you go. How many of you guys are dreamers? Any dreamers in the house? Yeah. Good. Good. All right. Hands down. Hands down. <laughs> in the past six months, how many of you guys have experienced an increase in the in the visions and the dreams that you may have that you have? Let's say. And let's say last year, for example, in January through December, you had, I don't know, let's say 10 visions, just to throw a number. And now between January and August, I've had like 20 already. And is that even the end of the year? So it has seen an increase in the frequency of your visions and your dreams. Raise your hands real quick. Good. Heaven is working overtime, bringing forth revelation of what he wants to happen on earth. Now, our job is to respond. Our job is to say, obviously following the proper channels, following the proper guidance and not doing things on yourself because you know you can probably get hurt and we don't want that, but following the proper chain of command. You know, God wants to implement all these things that he's being revealed. Side note, if you're a dreamer or, or a seer and you belong to this church, come together and discuss what the Lord has been showing and create a narrative of what the bigger picture when you put all those pieces together. And you'll be able to see what, what is God saying over the church, over the, over the region, over the state, because by ourselves, I won't be able to have 100% of the revelation. It needs a body. It needs people. Close parenthesis. <laughs> we need to continue to learn to discern the voice of God. Wow. We need to continue to decipher and distinguish the voice of God out of the three voices that play in our head. Okay, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Yesterday I gave an example of a camel and the needles and the eye of the needle. So complicated, right? And literally the needle, the needle eye is not a needle's eye. All right, let me give you the picture. I was gonna, gonna do that, but. Just bear with me for two seconds. Is that okay? Great. That's not what the Bible talks about. Okay? No, I didn't show you this yesterday. This is not what the Bible talks about. <laughs> it's not. The Bible... <laughs> talks about this. And I said it yesterday, so it's a little bit of a recap from yesterday and a reminder for today. So this is the eye of the needle. 
or the needle's eye. You're like, well, but that's a rock. What are you talking about? The camel, in order to, tra- to pass through that, uh, that hole, and the reason why that hole is there is to create a shortcut when the wall or, or the path is very long and you're tired or you don't want to walk that far, blah, blah, blah. You know, and this hole was created to, to create a shortcut from one place to another, to do that transfer. It's like a portal, but it's not a real portal. The camel has to remove all of his baggage, remove all of his pride, remove everything that he possess, and go on his knees and go through, the, go through that hole. A camel. If you don't believe me, do your research on the needle eye. It's not the one that I first showed you. Right? What happens is, is that when we as Christians understand this, that, that, that parable that Jesus said, we understand what, what is the real meaning? We are the camel. And in order for us to respond, we have to begin to uncloak ourselves from ourselves, from our pride, from our, 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 our everything. And humble ourselves. Why? Not because it is easier to get to the other side, but rather because it is a, a, a factor that will help you discern the voice of God. What? What does that even mean? All right. When you live a life of constant surrendering, of constant uh, humbling before the presence of God, a couple things happen. One, you are removed from the picture. It's not about you. Now you have somebody greater that's trying to, to flow through you, right? Number two, the three voices that appear in your head minimize and one increases. Two dissipate, one goes up. My consciousness is surrendered. The other voice, you guys know who that is? It goes away because it has no authority over you because you are constantly living a life of surrender. And you know you can't be accused of something that is not there. Yeah, it's pretty interesting how life works. So we get an increase in the discernment of the voice of God because the only voice at place when you live a life of constant surrendering, real surrendering, real humility, is the voice of God constantly speaking in your spirit, to your spirit, through your spirit. Right? So we begin to learn to discern the voice of God. The, one of the problems of the church is that we don't like to surrender. And in order for us to respond, because there has been many words uh, spoken in this church, and I, I believe that has been kingdom word to transform a nation, not just Kingston, not just Awaken, Minis- uh, Awaken Kingdom Ministries, Kingdom Awaken Ministries. <laughs> you know, it's... It's a word, it's a kingdom word, which is a, a word to transform nations. That's what my, the conviction that I received when I walked here. But what happens is when we are focused too much on ourselves, when we are focused too much on what life has to give me, and when the call goes out, we are too distracted to respond. 
we are too distracted to humble ourselves and walk through the hole, walk through the needle's eye. Something very interesting and peculiar about Moses is that Moses understood this. Moses, man, Moses is just a great guy. Moses killed a man. Moses fled. Moses was the lowest of the lowest. He was working for his father-in-law for 40 years. It's a long time. I'm not even 40. It's a long time. But the moment that he was able to understand that the purpose of life is not about him. It's about God. He was able to respond. But listen to this very interesting. Moses was walking through the same path for 40 years. It's not in the Bible, what I'm going to say next, but speculations. Okay? The bush may have been burning for 40 years. Right? Moses never saw it. Why? Because he was, one, too focused on his past, too focused on his persona, too focused on his job, too focused on his ministry being a a shepherd. He was too focused on the external things that when God was calling him, Moses, Moses, he was, he had uh, blinders and he couldn't see to the side. But one moment, Moses understood the purpose of surrendering. He he was probably meditating on his walk, his, his 40th year, the 364th day. He was about to fulfill the 41st year and all of a sudden it's like, man, my life, My life has to be different. I have to like surrender. I need to do something. And the Bible says, you know, chapter 3. As he was walking, he finally looked aside. And he was was amazed. He was like, how in the world is that bush on fire but it's not being consumed? Not only did Moses was able to discern the season and the time, he was able to walk in the purpose of that calling. For us, we understand the call. We know the lucrative parts of the call. But the things that will make us walk into our purpose, into our destiny, is the things that we try to resist. It's easy to stand here and preach because a lot of preachings are from up here. You know? It's easy to stand here to write an essay and write a, um, write a, a speech and just speak and be motivating and be so nice and be very cool. But in reality, the call and the purpose of God is to propel us to do something that we can't do. You know, here I'm preaching. It's great. But my son, I don't have kids, but my son, my grandchildren are the ones that I need to instruct to do greater things than the things that I have done. Okay? I don't know why I said that. That's weird. If you guys get that, praise the Lord. You know, we need to learn to discern the voice of God in the midst of our chaos. When we live a constant life of surrendering, we are able to discern the voice of the genuine God. Heaven is constantly calling for fathers and mothers and sons and daughters to respond to manifest heaven. The earth is is groaning. The earth is in labor pains waiting for you guys to manifest. Okay. 
But we can't manifest something that we are not listening to because we won't be able to, to respond to it. And today I want to give you a couple guidelines and some principles that I've, through my studies, have understood that are crucial to, to walk and understand and how to answer the call of God. I have 20, 26 points. Every point is about 20 minutes long. I'm just kidding. I want to talk to you about four principles that I've understood that are, have helped me, I should say, has helped me understand to walk in God. As I mentioned before, God is constantly speaking from heaven in search of men and women to, to uh, receive and respond back to the call and saying, Hineni. You guys know what Hineni means? It's Greek. I mean, it's Hebrew. It uh, it's means, here am I. Okay? Here am I. I want to make this interesting note, and I mentioned it yesterday. I mentioned it every, everywhere that I go. We don't have to wait on God to give us a direct call. Heaven is always talking. Yeah, I, I don't believe that. Give me some scriptures for that. I'm like, all right, cool, I got you. Isaiah 6. It's not, it's not in the projector. But Isaiah 6 talks about the calling of Isaiah, right? Cool. Now, what's interesting, though, and this is my point, that heaven is always speaking and always crying out and always calling, right? Isaiah was in a posture of humbleness and seeking. He was, he was longing to have purpose in his life. <laughs> and in this humble journey, Isaiah, huh, whoa. Isaiah says, you know what? I'm just going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep humbling myself. I'm going to keep searching for purpose and meaning in my life. And in that moment, this is all, again, I'm just giving you like a Jesus version of what happened. Isaiah walks in under open heavens. And he overhears a conversation that the Trinity is having with one another. Right? Can I get two volunteers? Quick. Two, two, two. Come on. It's just, it's just going to be very cool. Very cool. Can I get a, another volunteer? Another guy? Anyone? Come. Great. All right, so you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be Isaiah. Actually, no, I'll be Isaiah. You be, you be, uh, you be, you're the Father. All right? You're the Holy Spirit. And you're the Son. Yes! <laughs> come, come. So do like a little triangle in front of each other. And you're just going to ask the same question, you know, have a conversation. Who's going to go for us? Who's going to represent us? Who's going to, right? You're going to have that conversation, right? Now, go. Right? I'm Isaiah. God, give me purpose. What am I to do? What am I? Hey guys, here am I. Oh hey. Send me. Who's that guy? I saw we saw <laughs> <laughs> Who's that guy? You saw that? 
the like Trinity, <laughs> the Trinity didn't call Isaiah. Isaiah sought the Trinity, sought God. You know, so as we are trying to focus on who we are, we don't have, God is already wanting you to do something. All you have to do is become, make yourself available. Oh, you guys can say, <laughs> thank you. You know, that's, that's a little side note. We need to continuously be, be ready to hear what, what, to listen to what heaven is saying. Heaven is constantly speaking. You know, man, if I were to wrap the message right now, it would have been a, it would have been a good message, a good motivation for you, but it's not done. <laughs> 20 more points to go. <laughs> you know, we need to, we need to learn to, to discern the voice of God. We'll get to that. What happens when you do respond? What, why do I need to respond? And, and this, is what I have, this is what I have figured out through my journey, okay? So point number one, I, don't, I think we have it in the projector. Your response will produce new passion within your spirit or within, within yourself. When you respond to the call of God, there is an, an immediate ignition a fire within your spirit. You look at all through scripture, Moses is a weird example, but, you know, he questioned God a lot, but the desire was there. Something that he didn't want to do when he responded and he said, God, here am I. I'm going to walk towards this revelation. And God said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I, right? That's what scripture says. He says, take up your sandals because I need to change your identity because you went from a place of, of, of just hearing to a place of listening and responding, right? Sandals represent identity. Especially those leather sandals because, you know, you have like so sweat on it. Yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't know how DNA works. <laughs> right? So your response will produce a new passion within your spirit. So Mo, uh, Moses was able to say, God, I understand. I respond, but, you know, don't go with the buts, but. I can't speak. I can't. I can't. I can't. And that God, for everything that he said he couldn't, he placed a desire to do it. I can't speak, but I am giving you the words to speak. You know, when you decide to turn aside and look or hear or listen to what God is saying, he will in reintroduce or introduce a passion and a desire and active or activate that passion within you. You know, some of you may do want to do outreach, and you're like, ah, oh, God, man, I want to do outreach. It's like, God, I don't know what to do. And God is saying, I'm giving you what to do. All you have to do is walk. Just go. I've called you. <laughs> he will produce or reintroduce this passion with you to give you the authority to execute what he has called you to do. Again, I'm going to go back... Uh, and a couple of things that I mentioned prior. We see that Moses wandered for 40 years and God was constantly calling him. As Christians, many times we find ourselves as Moses and we're just walking through life. We're going through the motions and we're like, God, la, 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 la. Right? We're operating in ministry for many years, but not knowing what God wants us to do. That's bad. Kind of. Bad. Yeah, that is bad. You can't call it bad. 
Right? We have strategies but lack revelation. You know, we have the strength but we lack the authority. We spend too much time taking care of the field, which is not bad, I tell you. But we have overlooked the call of the owner of the field. And that's, that's a crisis. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> You know, we have focused too much on the glory of our ministries and about what God has called us to do that we have forsaken what, who called us. Peter, yesterday, as I was sharing, he walked on the word. He walked on the prophetic word. He said, God, Jesus said, come. That word became natural and he was able to step on water. It's crazy. I tried stepping on water. I have it. I sink. Right? So he stepped on it. And while he was walking on the purpose with which God sent that word, Jesus sent that word, he got distracted with what he was doing and what was going around him and the winds and the water and the rain. And he began to sink. We have to never, we, we don't have, we can't, there we go. We can't lose our focus on the one who has called us. Because the moment that we do that, we are doing everything in vain. <laughs> You know, something happened when Moses stopped. You know, there are times in our lives that we need to learn to breathe and refocus. As we are walking in this new dimension, as we're walking in this new realm, in this new ministry, in this new thing that God has given us, we need to just stop. Let's reevaluate. God, let me listen to you. I know that I'm walking in your will. I just don't want to keep walking and then steer away. Even just an inch. I don't want to do that. So in a moment that we had to, to stop, Moses had to stop walking around for 40 years. He decided to take a pause. He decided to refocus his sight. And in the moment that he decided to focus on what, God, on, on, on what he was doing, he decided to look, to listen. What's going on? I've been doing this 40 years. What have I missed? What is missing? He refocused his vision and he partnered with heaven. He partnered with God. Now the question to ask is, are we too busy that we can hear the call of heaven over our lives? Have we become too preoccupied that we aren't able to say, God, what is it that you want us to do? Are we just too excited that we just want to run and, and forget that there is a will that we need to fulfill? Friends, right? Are we too busy? Are we too entertained to refocus on our call? You know, we have to be intentional in listening. You know, there's a difference between listening and hearing. And yesterday I didn't talk about it very briefly. My beautiful wife, she's a campus minister, so she experiences many things on her day to day, right? And she comes home. And, I, and there are two different types of Jesus whenever she comes home. Number one is the one who is hearing. And I throw a couple of uh-huhs and mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Right? Then she asked me a question. And I'm like, oh, 
<laughs> She's right there. She can testify to that. You know? And I'm like, uh, 22. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just go preach. Yeah. And the conversation was completely about something else. Not had to do with ministry or nothing. I'm like, yeah, go preach. You got this. You know, I'm using this as an example. And then there's a difference when I'm listening. We're looking at each other. She's talking, I'm responding. She's mentioning something, I'm discerning, I'm, I'm reevaluating I'm re, um, evaluating what she's saying, and, and I'm preparing myself to give a response to edify what she's saying to me, to edify and to meet her needs. See the difference? When I'm listening, when you guys are listening, it's like, oh, have you guys seen Charlie Brown? <laughs> I think you guys were talking about that earlier, right? <laughs> right? It's so funny. It's like every parent in any like 80s or before 80s like cartoon, it's like, just focusing on the kids. You know, they're hearing their parents. We, are, we as an audience are hearing the parents, but we can't understand what they're saying because we're not paying attention. God has spoken so many words and has said so many things that we're just hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. But we're not listening to see, God, what part am I playing in this word? You know, if there's a word being released in D.C., for example, and it says that the nation will be transformed, your response is, should be, God, how can I be part of that? How can I be part of that? Here in New Hampshire, how can I be part of that word in D.C.? And vice versa. Rather than saying, amen, glory to God. <laughs> Woo! The same way as when we ask God and we finally manage to hear him, but we are also, we are so, we are just wired to just box him out. It's like God is saying, my son, I want you, I want you to do this and I want you to, and you know, God is talking, God is saying, I want you to do this, I want you to do this. All you're hearing is, God, nations, you hear bits and pieces. Right? We have, select, we, have, we have become very, we are professional selective hearers when God speaks. When God gives us a good word, it comes with a responsibility. We hear the good word, nations. Woo. Responsibility. Right? And sometimes we're asking God, God, it's been 20 years and I've been in the same place. What is going on with me? What are you doing in my life? And God is saying, I spoke to you, but you didn't listen. You heard me, but you didn't do anything about it. You didn't dissect it. You didn't respond. So and we're living in a season that God is literally calling our, calling our attention and saying, hey, I'm talking to you. I'm doing this. I am coming soon. I need you for this end time harvest. I'm not an end time preacher, but it's okay. You know, the end is coming. It's inevitable. Right? But now, this time, as we're walking and we're asking God, Lord, speak to me. Are you listening? Because God is already speaking. There is a, a, a frequency in heaven that our, only our spirit is able to discern and connect. Our spirit is always connected. It's our responsibility to pay attention to what the spirit is listening to. The spirit can be empowered, yes. Ooh, have that passion. You know, but when we put everything else into the, into, the, into the table, we mix everything, it gets lost because we aren't able to listen. 
you know, let's learn to discern his voice. How, you may ask. I will give you the answer in just a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. You know, if we go to James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Right? How can we draw near to God? I've been praying since I was eight years old. And I've, after 17 years, I saw one of the biggest breakthroughs of my life. My grandparents came to the Lord. Breaking generations of witchcraft. I was the only Christian in my family until a week ago. You know, prayer brings you close. Prayer allows you to listen and to discern what is the desire of God. You know, that what happens is that we have turned ourselves into a microwave generation. And many preachers say it's the new generation, but I say it's the whole generation. We want things done fast. We want things done in 30 seconds or less. If not, if it takes a minute, I'm done. I'm not working on it. You know, but in order for us to begin to listen to the, to the voice of God, we need to learn to spend time in the presence. Five minutes, if you're a beginner, hey, great. That's five minutes of glory. Boom. But if you're a seasoned believer... Five minutes is not an excuse. If you want to see what God is doing next in this season, in your life, in your family, in your ministry, or whatever it is, close the door behind you. And don't come out until you hear God. God is always willing to, uh, to speak to us. But what happens, our prayers have become, God, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> I just ask you for a car because, you know, I'm, I don't have one. And, oh, also, I want a house and I want a, I want a, I want a, I want a job with a lot of money. And, and amen, God will give you those things. I'm not saying he wouldn't. He's not. And God, I want a girlfriend, you know, that I can marry someday. But if, just give me the right one. You know, that's, you know my issues. You know my problems. Right? In the name of Jesus, amen. We enter, we ask, and we leave. Right? I'm not saying that all the things that I just mentioned are bad. I'm not saying that. Right? But when you have a relationship with someone, it's a conversation. It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Right? You, you speak, you shut up. You be quiet. Wait for him to speak. And sometimes we're just expecting God to speak with this thunderous voice and, oh, I am God. That's the deepest voice I can make. Um, you know, but sometimes God will give you a vision. God will give you an image in your mind. God will give you a word. And I learned this with my wife. God will give you a simple word. Shepherd. I don't know. Just to say something. You know, lover. Beloved. He may give you a, a scripture. You are my beloved and I am yours. You know, as you're answering and you're asking God, and if you want to know what he wants to do, all you have to do is spend extra time in the presence. Get marinated. Something that I've been experiencing lately is that when I go to presence, when I come on, my hands are full of like gold dust. And I'm like, there's no gold dust here. It's like, it's just my hand, you know? And it's pretty cool, you know? But that happens when you spend quality time with the Lord. When you like decide to speak with the Lord, you know? So if you want to know what God is doing next in this generation, shut the door behind you. Pray. Okay? I think there's another slide that has these points. 
Number two is fast. We have forgotten the art of fast. Isaiah 58. You know, let's serve the widow. Let's serve the orphan. You know, let's, let's remove our pride and just surrender before his presence. It's the easiest thing you can do, but it's the hardest thing that you can do too. But it's the most rewarding. But it's sacrificing a lot, which is reward at the end. You know, you understand? It's like, you know, we need to learn to read and wait. All of these require waiting. Fast, yes, God. Three hours, six hours, so hours, 24 hours, 40 days. A whole year, good luck. Yeah. You know, but you always are waiting for a response. Daniel, when he fasted, he waited 21 days. Why? The response was released, but he contended to see the full manifestation of it. And uh, the angel said, I was released since the first day you prayed, but I was fighting against the prince of this world to release this word. You know, let, him, let us not rush the presence. Let us not rush our time in the, in the presence of the Lord. We need to also learn how to read scripture. Not what I say, not what Pastor Miles says, not what anybody here says. Because when we read the word for ourselves, it's a great reward. We are human. We can fail. We can deceive. It's, not a, it's in our nature, but it's not our intention. Right? We can misinterpret certain scriptures. Right? And then you are believing that misconception because you haven't read the Bible yourself. You know? Read. Next one is worship and watching. Watching, it's like vigil. You know, in the early morning, worship this. At your home, you don't need a piano. You don't need a, you don't need Tori to go and just like bring heaven down. No, you can do it yourself. You know? Just experience God on yourself. You know, read a psalm and just stay quiet. Worship, just tell him how beautiful and how kind and how nice he is, right? When you activate your spiritual tools and draw near to him, listen to him and he will begin to reveal the desires of his, of his heart and he will begin to give you the plans for this generation. And it will give you, it will open up a highway between where you are and heaven. Point number two. I'm going to sweep through this. Your response will cost you. But God will always, always, always fund your call. And I'm not just saying financially. The one who called you is faithful and he will do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Abraham and his son. <laughs> Genesis 22. You guys know this, right? It talks about when Abraham grabbed his son, you know, went to the mountain, and his son along the way said, yo, pops, what are you going to do? You know? It's like, what's, what's happening? What's popping? You know, it's like, where's, 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 the, where's the lamb? I see the fire. I see, I see the wood. I see that long knife. I see it. Very sharp. You sharpened it this morning. I don't know why, because it's 
Same one, I don't know. But we don't see, I don't see the lamb. Where is it? Listen to his response. Listen to Abraham's response. He was like, listen. Listen to this declaration. Abraham said, Responded to his son, he says, he didn't hear am I, right? He responded. He listened and he responded. But listen to his response. He said, the Lord will provide. Amen. Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Right? That's what it means. He will provide. He's our provider. He will give to us what we need. He didn't know that God was going to provide. But because he had the confidence in the call, in his response, and he has partnered with heaven, he said, I am confident enough to tell you that God will fund or God will provide what we need for the sacrifice. Right? Sometimes answering to a call, our call in our life, seems very hard and unfair. Ooh, I can testify all night of that. And it may produce a lot of hurt and pain. But listen to this, your willingness to trust God will provide the key to your success. You know, Moses had to go back and face the same people that rejected him. The Jewish people rejected him. Aren't you the one who killed the Egyptian and you're here to be the moral police? (laughs) Right? Moses had to go back to the land which he had a history in. He was rejected, put in a little basket rivers right raised by a pharaoh glory killed a killed an egyptian people were looking for him to kill him abraham uh, abraham abraham had to make a choice to listen and to act or to hear and just ignore you know abraham's story is not just a response story but rather a trust story he responded, and because he responded, he decided to trust. In order for us to partner with what heaven is saying, we need to learn to trust what God is saying, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Amen. It's the craziest thing. I don't understand it, but God is telling us to trust me, trust me, trust me. But I don't get it, God. Like, what? It's like, oh, my God. You know, I need to just understand it, you know? <laughs> I would have thought this thing. I would have said this. God came to me. He said, Jesus, I need you to sacrifice your son, the one that the promise. Are you crazy? <laughs> I don't think so. Right? That's me. My human nature. I would have said, no, you know, you already gave him to me, so he's mine. Good luck. You can talk to someone else, you know, and just... Down the road, you know, is, is somebody else that is eager to sacrifice his son, but not me. <laughs> you know, I would have said, God, you just gave me my son and you're asking me to sacrifice him. You just gave me this ministry and you're asking me to give it away. You just given me my wife and you're asking me to surrender her to you. How does this work? I don't understand. Right? <laughs> like, this can't be. But something really ministered to me about Abraham. And I, will, I think this is a... Huh. Abraham's partnership with God was based on the response that he received. 
It was based on a soul trust that God has spoken and God will make it happen no matter what. Amen. I already told you a story about Abraham saying, hey, pause, yo, what's up? What are you going to do? Right. But this is what Abraham said. God will provide. He said Abraham knew that regardless of the outcome, God was going to make a way. Even if that meant two things. One, resurrecting my son again. Or number two, giving me another son. Because the word was set forth by God. And he responded. When you respond and God is asking you to give and to surrender, trust that he's going to give you something better or he's going to renew what he already gave you because he has a bigger plan and a bigger view of what life is. Abraham understood this. Many people today don't partner with God because they are afraid that God will ask them for what they have been praying for a long time. It's funny. Many have fallen with the gift rather than the gift giver. But this is the principle. God's word will never return void. I am convinced that if Abraham, again, if Abraham would have given God his son, he would have provided one. The Bible says in verse 11 and 13 of, uh, of Genesis 22, it says, the moment that he stretched his hand. The moment that you're about to just surrender everything, God, I trust you, and I'm going to give it all, and I'm going to give you everything, God. I'm going to stretch my hand. God will call again from heaven. Heaven will send a message. Heaven is opened up, and he sends a message. The cool thing is that Abraham said the same thing. He neni. Here am I. He stopped. He said, here am I, God. What is it? I, I'm, I'm about to do it, God. I'm about to do it. I'm about to do it. What else do you want? Want me to do like a cross? Like, like, but God said, I have known that you are trustworthy. I have known your obedience because you were, you were able to respond to the call. You are able to sacrifice what is most valuable to you. You are proving worthy. You are my friend. Right? And then as the angel was flying away, by the way, look behind you. <laughs> it's a lamb trapped by its horns. And he sacrificed and God provided. <laughs> I'm not sure who has here been struggling with God. Because he may be asking you for something to surrender and that he has given you, but I feel that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, let go. Just let it go. Because his word will never turn back void. He will always provide and he will never lie and he will never forsake you. Obey him and trust him. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. God is an expert in, in, in pushing us to the maximum potential. God will always have our best interest at heart, and no matter what the situation is, he will always put us first. <laughs> Amen? 
this is, I think I'll give you three points. Let's go to a third point. Your response doesn't only affect your, your present, but it will also touch your generation. In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Genesis 22, 18. God doesn't choose you or call you based on your ability, but he chooses you and calls you because you are available. Say that again. God doesn't choose you based on your ability. He chooses you based on your availability. Abraham's partnership with heaven eventually led to Moses' encounter with God. Abraham's encounter with God blessed his generations. Moses' response to heaven allowed him to rise a spiritual son that will then himself partner with heaven and usher in the partnership to others. Isn't that cool? The reason why you're partnering with heaven is not, it, it, it's, well, it's not because of you. We're thinking too little. It's not because of you. It's because of those who you're going to rise up and impart over. There's an interesting story in the book of Joshua, and it's very quick. And it's the story of a woman named Rahab. You guys know Rahab? There was a prostitute, Joshua 2. She dwelled within the inner city of Jericho. She partnered with, with the prophetic word. Listen to this. This is very interesting. She didn't know Joshua, but she heard the prophetic word that God has spoken over Jericho that it will fall, right? And the Israelites will gain that territory by inheritance. Rahab said, oh boy, okay, what am I going to do? I don't want my family to be lost. I don't want to be lost, blah, blah, blah. So she took in the spies. She hit them. Where are they? They're not here. Okay. He uncovered them. And Joshua made a covenant. Why? Because Abraham understood the purpose of trusting God. Because Moses understood the purpose of answering the call and being faithful to that call. So Joshua understood this from Moses and he was able to impart it over to a prostitute. And he said, when I come in the city to overtake the, th the city, put a red ribbon, scar uh, scarlet, scarlet ribbon on your window and bring all your family there. But that is the word. That is the partnership. A woman heard the word, partnered with God, and saved her generation. You know what's cool? You know where, all, where she's also mentioned? In Matthew 1. In the genealogy of Jesus. If that woman would have partnered with the principle of God, with the word of God, if Moses wasn't, if Abraham wasn't able to understand that God would provide for him, he would have, Moses would have received that call because history would have been shifted. Things would have changed. When Moses said, you know what, after 40 years, I need to reevaluate my life refocus, and do what God, oh, a burning bush. What is this? Moses, Moses, here my Lord, send me. I'm not ready, but I'm going to go. 
because he was able to go he was able to impart a um, he was able to mentor over to the next generation the purpose of answering God and staying faithful to that response of saying yes of being able to listen to heaven when he listened to heaven Jesus was born I want you to sit on that for just a second your partnership with heaven your response with heaven will literally open up a pathway, an avenue for something great to come forth. Nobody thought that out of a prostitute something good was going to come. But Jesus came out of her, her lineage. When we partner with God, we impact generations. History belongs to those who partner with God and allow His will to be done. It is up to you today to partner with God and shift your generation <laughs> and I guess I'll, I'll probably do point number four I guess <laughs> number four I don't know if it's in the PowerPoint yes it is your response produces a new season in your life Amen. we're all seeing this in that little passage of Exodus 3 1, and four, one through 4 Matthew 9 17 neither a new wine put into old wine skins if it is if it is the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put in fresh wine skins and so both are preserved. We're talking about wine today. That's pretty cool. Every time you respond, every time you say yes, every time you say, God, even if I don't understand it, I'm going to walk. A new season starts in your life. And I'm not one to preach about new seasons because it's a cliche saying, you know. It's gotten worn out. It's like a new season. But in reality, when we see the picture of Moses, when we see the picture of Abraham, when we see the picture of Rahab, when we see the picture of David, Solomon, name them, they all responded. And a new season started. There is always new wine when you respond to God. I believe that as you guys have partnered with us with Awaken the Dawn, with with what God is saying in in this region, there is a new season coming to every one of you, wherever you are. Your response will always produce a new move of God. Look through the story in, in Exodus. You see the signs. God hasn't moved like that before. Until someone said, God, I'm here to trust you in what you say. Snake. Snake. Leprosy. No leprosy. <laughs> Produce a new move. A new way of seeing God. When we respond we enter into a new dimension. It's not like the matrix. It's not like that. But it's literally a new place in the heart of God. For every response, there is a new revelation. People, the people of Israel knew God as the provider because of Abraham's obedience in the mountain. The Israelites again got to know God as the most powerful being in the universe, the creator of all, because of what Moses was doing after his response. 
Now we see God as our Savior. We see Jesus as our Redeemer because of the new season that, God, that Jesus decided to respond and say, yes, I will go for their sake. I will respond. He opened a way for us to be redeemed. What is coming next with your response? It's up to you and God, right? The response, the response to God will begin to expand us and will turn, and will turn us into new wineskins and we begin to see things from a new point of view. Right now, I'm seeing you like this. You guys are blocked because my computer's in the way. Right? You're halfway blocked because there's this, this pipe pole, whatever it is. Right? Some of you guys from the back can't see me because there's people in front of you. <laughs> right? But the moment that we respond to God, we receive a new revelation. Our perspective changes. And now from being a perspective that I couldn't see properly, I come here and I have a room to expand and to move. So I'm able to see you properly. I'm able to see the details in your face. I'm able to see, you know, I'm able to see everything. You guys are able to see me if you choose to, right? Our perspective changes. Our view, our outlook changes. Your response will determine the magnitude of your deliverance. Your response will define the outcome of your victory. Will you respond <laughs> even when God is asking you for the hardest thing for you to surrender? Right? Your response or non-response will affect not just you, but generations to come. Response will produce a new passion within your spirit. We have to apply the principles. We need to pray, spend time in prayer, read the word, worship, watch. Your response will cost you, but God will always find a way to provide through that cost. Because the one who called you is faithful to do it. Your response doesn't only affect you. Remember this. If there's anything that you take from this thing tonight, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> it's that your response is not just affecting you. When you don't respond, that's a selfish act. Even if it's a no. Even if it's a no and you don't respond, that's selfish. Because we are, there is a generation that is dependent on your response, on your call to be activated. The earth is literally having birthing pains waiting for you to respond. And your response, remember, will produce a new season. 